0: This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are Messengers of Hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Bibles. Turn. We're going to jump right into the word Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 27 in just a moment. I'm titling today's message, Absolute Surrender. Say Absolute Surrender. Absolute Surrender. It is the prerequisite for disciples of Christ that we surrender everything and we're going to look at that today we're going to see the story the story of Matthew Levi he's also called and we're going to see where he surrendered everything and when we do there's a blessedness that comes when we forsake all and begin to follow Christ there is a blessing we shared with you last week a video clip, and I'm going to do it again this week, from the movie The Chosen. It's just a drama, a drama, a movie of the scriptures and the different characters in the scripture. It's not word for word for the scriptures, but it helps us to get a glimpse of what was taking place. Luke chapter five is our passage of scripture. It can also be found in Matthew nine and over in Mark chapter two. Before I read it, Let's watch this clip together. Man, I love that line. Get used to different. Isn't that great? Get used to difference. It's the essence of our whole series as we've been looking at different biblical characters, and we are looking at what we would say there was no way that that could happen, or no way that that could happen for me, or that God would do that today. And we're looking into those stories, and we're seeing how God takes what we don't think is possible, and He makes a way. Luke chapter five, verse twenty-seven. Later. as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi over in the book of Matthew and Mark. It calls him Matthew, uh, called Levi, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Verse 29 later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor, Many of Levi's tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Father, thank you for your word as we have opened it. It is anointed. And I pray today for the illumination of your spirit as we look into the word of God, speak to our hearts and all God's people said, amen and amen. Absolute surrender, absolute surrender. I believe as we look at the story with Matthew, it starts with being willing to follow, say willing to follow. What do you mean, pastor? It means saying yes to God. And maybe I should have flipped the title, willing to follow, being followers of Jesus means that we absolutely surrender. We surrender everything. We're willing to say yes to the Lord. As we looked in our story of Matthew, it says that he left everything immediately. Here we have a tax collector in that day and time, he would have been one that that would have had a, a very prestigious position when it came to the possibilities to obtain financial wealth and success in the eyes of the Romans and in the eyes of the world. And yet, at the same time, because they would have been Jews that would be, in a sense, uh, uh, charging, upcharging, and persecuting fellow Jews by being the tax collector for the Romans, they were seen, as the living Bible calls, seen as the scum of the earth. They were seen as uh, political traitors, and they were outcasts, and they were individuals that nobody would want to associate with. And Jesus makes a journey into Matthew's town for one purpose, and that was to call Matthew to be a disciple. And Matthew, we see in the scriptures tell us immediately he accepts the invitation and he says, yes to the Lord. In fact, can you just say that with me again? Yes to the Lord. Come on, I need you to say it louder. We don't have as many people. Say yes. To the Lord, to God, we say yes to him. And that is the core of what it means to be a disciple. When you say yes to God, you're making a commitment to know him and to follow him. When you make a commitment to follow, it is saying, I absolutely surrender everything to you. And not only are you going to be my savior, but here is the essence of Christianity and it's what is meant when we say surrender, absolute surrender, absolutely surrendering all and saying yes to the Lord is not just yes, that you need a savior, but it's yes, that he becomes the Lord of your life. What does that mean, pastor? Is that he begins to to, to give us direction in our life. He takes authority within our life what he desires in our life, we've already said yes to the Lord because we've made a commitment to be a follower. And when we make that commitment to be a follower, what we're saying is we're gonna leave the things of this world behind and we're going to follow him. I mean, come on, let's think about it. Here's Matthew. He's got everything that this world would say that you should pursue and desire and want in your life. How could he leave everything right then and there? I think, that, I think Matthew learned that happiness doesn't come by the money that you have. Money doesn't buy your happiness. It doesn't buy your peace. I mean, I'm telling you, I can be around a lot of people that have a lot of money and you know that they're living without peace. Financial security, yes, but they don't have that eternal security of knowing who they are in Christ and the fulfillment that comes from Christ. Come on, give me an agreement in the house. Man, there is something that happens when we're followers of Christ that we get to a point where there is a surrendering, an absolute surrendering of our will to the Lord. Well, all right, let me read it to you in another way. Luke chapter nine, go a few, few more chapters ahead here. Luke chapter nine, verse 23. I'm still reading from the living translation. Here is what Jesus is gonna show us. He says, Jesus, to the crowd." If any of you wants to be my follower, underline it. If you want to be my follower, you must turn away from what? Your selfish ways. You must deny yourself. Turn away from your selfish ways and take up your cross daily and follow me. I mean, here he is saying, you know, there are, there's, there are, there are, how, how do I say it? There, there's a cost. There, there is a prerequisite. There is something that's required if you're going to be a follower of Christ. And he says, you've got to deny yourself. Now, why is this important? He's getting ready to tell you is because we have a tendency to indulge ourselves. We have a, a tendency to do what. We desire, we fulfill our own urges, what we want. We indulge our pleasures, our comforts, our desires. We seek what's best for our own life. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you're going to be my follower, the essence of being a follower of mine is you absolutely surrender everything to me. In fact, he's going to give us a metaphor here. I know it's quiet because we struggle with it. Amen, amen, amen. I say to myself, surrender everything and pick up your cross and follow me. Because if you try to hang on to your life and the things of this world, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but yourself are lost. He says in another translation, it's a it, it's putting yourself in a position where you're a castaway. You're rejected, you're you're cast away. In verse 26, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he returns to his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I tell you the truth, that some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God. See, one of the greatest things is when you and I realize that God has a plan and a purpose for your life and you come to that place where you realize that you're going to follow him, you've heard him, there's an encounter that hits your heart and you come to a place where you absolutely surrender everything to him and your plan becomes his plan and his plan becomes your plan and you give your life to please the Lord. Can I just get an agreement? You see, what you're doing is you're yielding. The moment you come to that place, you are yielding to the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. He gives you an image, a metaphor of, man, you could gain the whole world He gives us this idea that you could have everything, all the land, all the wealth, all the honor, all the pleasures, all the riches, everything that this world could offer you. You could have it all and still in that you lose yourself. Man, following Jesus, he's saying, if you're gonna be my follower, I want you to surrender to me. Now surrendering to him is what we have to unpack. Surrendering to him I believe, is the challenge within the church today. Why? is because many struggle to release to the Lord, to surrender to God. And yet, if you don't surrender to God, if you don't fully follow Him, we will find ourselves still struggling with fear, anxiety, despair, seeking significance and value in life, going from one thing to another thing to another thing, never being satisfied, trying to gain as much as we can to bring value and significance in life, and we still will come up short. No, it's when we have encounters like Matthew. It's when we have those moments like we will have tonight, like we've had already today where we will come into these moments where we have encounters with God and we have the opportunity to surrender everything. Absolutely everything is surrendered to him and we begin to trust him with every area of our life. Man, when we surrender everything, you are on the path of following him. But man, I've watched for so many years, as a pastor now, for so, for so many years, I've watched many, even in our church here at Christian Life Center many that hesitate to say yes to God oh they're in church they might listen to me preach week after week after week they will hear the word they get content and content and content from the word of God and yet there's a hesitation to surrender everything i've asked many many times why do so many hesitate to surrender and say yes to God. Maybe you're here today and listening to me right now and there's been a hesitation to say yes to the Lord. I think you have to ask why. I think you've got to pause and say, Lord, what is it that's holding me back? Because a disciple, the essence of Christianity is that you are a follower and being a follower means you've got to surrender absolutely everything to him. So why do we hesitate? I've come to learn that there are some that hesitate really because they don't understand. They really don't know what it means to be a follower, to, to, to trust in the Lord. When we, when we say that, and maybe it's our fault as preachers and teachers that we fully don't help you to understand what it means to follow Christ and to trust Christ. And therefore, there's a lack of understanding. Maybe there's an ignorance to who God is and in the ways of God and the desires of God and the wants of God. What does it really mean to surrender and trust him? And therefore, because we don't know what it means, we aren't we aren't allowing ourselves to surrender the essence of what God wants. And that is your will. That is your heart, that is your life, that's your goals, your ambitions, everything. He wants you to trust him and say, I want your will instead of my will. But because we don't fully understand, we don't surrender. Now, if you're here today and that's you, we want to help you. We want to come along next to you. We want to teach you and help you to understand what the essence of, of, of Christianity is and the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, we have what we call next steps. And and if you have been up and down in your spiritual life, you need to get a foundation in your life. From next steps, I wanna encourage you to come in to our school of discipleship where we begin to help you learn what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? How do you walk in him? How do you remain strong in him? How do you you allow him to take your gifts and and your talents and, and an anointing of God that's upon you and begin to use it for his glory? Our school of discipleship, will help you there but i've also learned and this is the group that i'm probably more concerned about not just those that don't understand because i can help you if there's a hunger and if there's a desire and if you really want to encounter him and be a disciple and you're desiring that we can help you to get to know god we can help you to encounter god the group i'm really worried about is the group that (laughs) they just don't want to They want a little bit of Jesus to feel like they've been vaccinated. You know, they've got a little bit of Jesus to feel like they're okay, they're safe, they're inside. But their question is how close can I get to the line? You know, they begin to, you know, do all kinds of things that they call it deconstructing faith and everything else. But the question is, how close can I really get before I fall off and I know that I'm eternally damned or yet I don't really want to get all the way in and they find themselves holding back. Now, I know why it is. I'm telling you why it is. You can debate it later all day. Want all day? You can debate it. But the real issue is called the kingdom of me. What's the kingdom of me? The kingdom of me is you're not willing to put yourself at an altar. The kingdom of me is an issue of idolatry. And the idolatry comes back to, I'm not willing to deny myself. I'm not willing to put myself on an altar. I'm not willing to follow. Why? Because if I follow, it means I'm going to have to give up some things. It means I can't do some things. It means that I can't have the fun that I want to have. So how close to the line can I get before I really fall over? And then they get all theological. They begin to talk about the grace of God and the mercy of God. And they begin to say, oh, I can do it and God will forgive me. But what they're doing, Paul says in Romans 6, is they're abusing God's grace. They're talking about the grace of God like it's a license to sin and I can do whatever I want and not leave my lifestyle because I've got a license and it's called grace and therefore I don't have to reject the things of the world. No, I can live like the world and God will forgive me and the problem is is there's an idolatry that they have not released at the altar and you've got to release it to him. You got to release it to him and yet we wrestle with it. Andrew Murray, in his book titled Absolute Surrender, Andrew Murray says this. He says, if you don't deny yourself, if we don't deny ourselves, we will end up denying Christ. And thus is the problem today. The problem today in the church is we're not denying self. The problem in the church today is we're not working on our character so that our character will reflect Christ. We excuse it. We rationalize it. We justify it. We get all theological about it. We get all religious about it. We find all of these reasons why we don't have to deny ourselves. Boy, as a pastor, I can't tell you how much I get blamed (laughs) for people not wanting to deny their urges and their desires why things are falling apart in their life and it's the pastor's fault it's the church's fault we don't do it the way it should be done there's new ways to be and that may all be true but i'm just telling you the scripture is really 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 clear jesus said it very 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 plain, very plainly he says if you want to be my follower You want to be a Christ follower? You're calling yourself a Christian? Then there's one thing that you've got to do and that is you got to pick up your cross. You got to deny yourself. You got to get yourself on an altar. Some of you got to get into the altar and you got to repent of some things and strip it away. Don't tell me you don't have to repent. I'm telling you, you've got some things you've got to repent of. I've got to repent. You've got to repent. We got to strip some things away and deny ourselves. And as we deny ourselves, I'm telling you, we begin to exalt Christ in our lives. It's a battle, though. It's a battle. Let's be honest. Your fight is not against the church. Your fight is, is not against religious practices. You know what your fight is, is about the kingdom of me. And your fight is that the enemy of your soul is making you believe. That you're going to lose your fun. You're going to you're going to lose some friends. You can't enjoy life. And oh, you've got time. You can enjoy life. The enemy's going to tell you. So get as close to that line as you can. Enjoy life. Oh, later when you get kids, when you get married, then you can get serious with God and you can really give Him everything. But up until then, just stay real close to that line. And the problem is, is the enemy blurs the line. So, the problem is, is where God's word may say there's a line. And again, for me, the line is surrender everything. Pick up your cross, follow me, deny the kingdom of me, and give me everything. But the enemy's gonna say, oh, no, 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 that's not the line. And he blurs the line. And without realizing it, we begin to live a state, the Bible calls it of lawlessness. The Bible says it's wickedness. But because we're in a, in, a, in a dispensation of grace, we believe the lie of the enemy. And the enemy's got you convinced you're gonna lose your fun. You're gonna lose some friends or family. You're gonna lose fortune. Run after the things of the world now and give yourself to God later. You ain't got time to serve God. You're building your career. You ain't got time to go to night's of Blaze. You got to study for the exam. Whatever it is, the enemy is the whisperer, and he's the liar, and you've got to learn when his voice is bringing accusations against the wisdom and the knowledge of God, and you got to pull it down. Come on, somebody. But the enemy is lying to you making you believe you're going to lose so much. You will lose some things when you absolutely surrender. You're going to lose guilt, shame, condemnation. You're going to lose fear and worry and loneliness. That search and that seeking for significance and value because all of a sudden you begin to realize. Every time you come back into a worship service, a worshiping and yielding and surrendering, you begin to realize your significance is in the Lord. Your forgiveness and your freedom is in Christ. And there's a deliverance that comes when you walk in obedience. Let me say it again. There is deliverance that comes when you walk in obedience. Pastor Kevin, I'm telling you, where Pastor Kevin slipped over here. Pastor Kevin, I'm telling you, so many times we'll pray for individuals. They wanna be delivered, but they don't wanna walk in obedience. And it's a contradiction to the word of God. See, God can't deliver you from your disobedience. Disobedience is an act of your will. It's disciplining your will to do what God has asked you to do. But when we discipline ourselves and we walk in the ways of God, there is freedom that comes. But if we don't, what happens is we find ourselves hiding. Hiding, maybe like Matthew. Matthew, I think, didn't know, and Jesus comes along, and he has an encounter, and then he surrenders all. But sometimes we compensate our feelings of fear and, and anxiety and worry. We, we, we compensate it by hiding. And what God is doing is he's calling. He's encountering. He's giving you moments where you experience the glory of his presence. He drops into our midst and when he drops into our midst in worship services, in private times of prayer, when, when we're encountering Christ in those moments, he drops in and he brings a revelation to you and I. And that revelation is, I want to set you free. If you will follow me, absolutely surrender everything uh, unto me. I will transform your life. A second thought I want to leave you with. I know time is slipping away. But the second thought that I would leave you with before we leave today is when you begin to follow, when you absolutely surrender everything. And I guess what I'm getting ready to say is it's a test as to where you're at in the level of surrender. It's a way to evaluate your own heart of have I surrendered everything. And if you're gonna surrender everything, you're following him. As we unpack that, but a test is to measure what I call the fire of our hearts. Let me take you into our story. I won't read it. But in our story, a few chapters later, we have the story of two after the resurrection, two individuals are walking on the road and they're going to Emmaus. We've just had the resurrection and the women that ran to the tomb and they found that the body of Jesus had been taken away. You can read about this in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 45. And, and they're walking along the road and they're, they're having a, a conversation and discourse with one another. I know what they're talking about. What they're talking about is they thought that Jesus was the Messiah. They really believed that he had come to deliver them and to bring a revolution and, and what they thought Jesus was going to do. Now all of their hopes have been dis- displaced and, and all of the things that they thought he would do, he has not done. And they were discouraged and they were disheartened and they had lost hope of what God had, had. had they thought had promised that was going to take place. And man, I'm telling you, I hear that and I think, Wow. How many believers does that look like today? They thought the Messiah, they thought God would do this. They thought if they would do that, that God would do this for them. That if they were faithful here, or if they were involved in this, or if they had given that, that God would do this. They're praying, they're seeking, they're asking, they're believing in their heart. They've put it on faith goals. They, 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 they have fasted for it. All of these things, and yet God hasn't done it yet, and they're disheartened. Maybe that's you today, because I know so many are wrestling with their faith, and it comes back to the fact that they believed God was going to do something, and it turned out a different way. Or God hasn't done it yet. He's not opened the door yet, and here these two are. They're on the road to Emmaus, And they're talking about what has just taken place. They'd lost hope. They had thought that he was something different. And now they believe that, how could we have been deceived? And at that moment, Jesus joins them on the road. And Jesus begins to walk with them, and they don't recognize him their their spiritual eyes have been closed he 's I believe in a transfigurated body, and they don 't recognize who he is and, and their eyes are closed at that moment and yet when they're walking along and, and conversing and Jesus is explaining to them what what the scriptures meant and and what Jesus himself meant when he would say certain things, I mean their heart began to stir, and there was something that was on their heart and their spirit and they come to their town and, and, and Jesus acts the scripture says like he was going to continue on and they said no we want to invite you in for dinner now that's a clue that you and I have got to invite him in if we're going to have an encounter with him and they invite him in and they're at the dinner table and the scripture says that when Jesus takes the bread he breaks the bread and he prays it's at that moment that their eyes are open to the revelation of who he was And in that moment, the Bible says that he disappears. And and they said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked and as he shared what I'm telling you? And this is the point, is that when you surrender all, when you determine you're going to be a follower when you're trusting him and following him and yielding to him, you're crucifying at the altar the kingdom of me. When we're walking in that journey, can I tell you your hearts begin to burn with a fire that's within you. It's an inflamed fire and you know who he is and there's a longing and a desire to be with him and to walk with him because your heart is stirred with conviction. Man, it's a burning conviction. The Holy Spirit is moving and stirring. He's opening our eyes, and he helps us to see not the problems that we're in or the things that we may be discouraged about or the prayers that have not yet been answered, but there's something that stirs within us. The Holy Spirit is burning in our hearts, and in those moments we know who he is, and there's a confidence that no matter what happens that our trust and our faith is in you. Now, the test for my heart, and and I would maybe suggest maybe it is for you as well, is that when my heart grows cold, when the fire is not burning as bright, when I don't see what I should see, when I don't respond the way I should respond, when, when, when I'm not as close as I know I should be, when I don't hear like I once was hearing, it's not anybody else's fault. It's my fault. The spirit isn't stirring within me because I'm not where I used to be and therefore I don't hear and see and feel what I once did. Doesn't matter how much I know of the word if I'm not abiding in Christ, if I'm not allowing the word to speak to me, if I'm not spending time resting at the feet of Jesus, if I'm not coming to him with all of my problems, my cares, my desires, if I'm not crucifying the flesh, if I am not bringing my character into alignment with the character of Christ, it's nobody else's fault but my own. And it's because my heart has grown cold. Maybe it's gotten focused on the things of this world, the land, the possessions, the the, the prestigeness of this world, the accolades and the things of this world. And all of us are susceptible to that. Can we be honest? The things of the world are like the tentacles of an octopus. It has a way of wrapping around us. And before we know it, it begins to squeeze us. (laughs) Oh. Why do I love nights like tonight? Why do I love moments like this? Why do I love to come together with God's people? It's because we stir the spirit. We stir the fire. Your faith stirs my faith. My faith stirs your faith. God begins to move in the anointing of his people coming together. That's why he says, forsake not the assembly." There's something that happens corporately and in an anointing and that in those moments where we seek him and our fire begins to burn brighter and there's a renewing of my mind. There's a renewing of my will and that's the greater challenge is my will. I know all the scriptures of what I should do. You know it. You've heard it. You've you've heard it preached for years and years and years. The challenge for you and I in absolute surrender is surrendering my will. What do you mean your will? I mean it's, I'm going to do what he asked me to do. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. Empathy's not enough. Compassion's not enough if I don't do anything about it. So it's Slaying myself at the altar. And when we begin to begin to ultimately surrender like that, Christ becomes alive in you. There's a fire that begins to burn. It's the fire and the work of the Holy Spirit. The power of the flesh is broken. How do you overcome the flesh? You walk in the Spirit. We learned that in Galatians 5 in the fall. If you don't walk in the spirit, the enemy of your soul is there to tempt you. And as he tempts you, if you're not walking in the spirit, you're not strong enough to overcome the flesh and the temptation. And you find yourselves giving in. All of us are susceptible to that. Leaders, pastors, all of us. The enemy is no respecter of your title or your position. In fact, the higher the title or influence, the more the temptation and the attack of the enemy. So I got to be on guard. I got to walk in the spirit. I got to be in his presence. I got to open his word. I've got to pray in the spirit. I got to pray in tongues. I mean, I got to wake up with my mind in Christ. Why? There is an enemy that's out to kill, steal, and destroy. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so you stir it up. You stir it up. So, man, you come tonight, you pray in the Spirit. You come tonight, you get around the altar. You don't just watch. You don't just sit back and listen. No, it's your battle, and in your battle, you got to get the weapons of warfare, and you got to get them ready so that you can win the battle when you leave this place and you go out into your homes and into the highways and byway that you're walking in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that leads me to the last and final thought. Guys, come on in if you would absolute surrender begins by following Christ. And again, I told you, I could flip it around. If we're following Christ, if we're really disciples of Christ, we will absolutely surrender. If we're truly disciples of Christ, not only will we surrender, but man in our surrender, our hearts become inflamed but then something happens when you do that all of a sudden you begin to come into alignment with the mission of Christ when you have an encounter with him like Isaiah did Isaiah said I see the Lord I saw him Isaiah 6 he's high and he's lifted up he saw The glory of God. Man, I love that scripture where Isaiah says, the glory. We call it the manifest glory of God. The glory of God was so thick that it was like smoke. (laughs) and It didn't come from a smoke machine either. The smoke began to fill the room. Man, he says the glory was there angels, the seraphims are angels. Seraphims, angels begin to cry out. And this happens when you surrender. When you've surrendered all, all to Jesus, I surrender. All of a sudden you find yourself saying, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. You begin to exalt him. The whole earth is filled with your glory. It says the train of his uh, robe filled the temple. It says that as the angels cried out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. They were exalting him. They were lifting his name. They were exalting who Jesus, the character of God. As they were exalting him. It says even at the sound of their voices, the walls began to shake. Man, to be in God's presence like that. I'm telling you, there's been so many times that I come into the glory of God like that and I sense what Isaiah's talking about. That the glory of the Lord is present. Man, they're worshiping and Isaiah gets a revelation. And the revelation is, I'm a man of unclean lips. Why does that happen? Is because when we come into the presence of a holy God, he is holy, we are not. You see, we have a bad theology when we think we're going to change God and God's going to do what we want. You don't demand God to do anything. You're the subject to the one that's created you. He is the almighty one. He is the one that's created the universe and he's the one that brings the revelation of our condition. Man, I can see Isaiah. And I'm telling you, I find myself so often on my knees in this moment. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Almighty. The whole earth is filled with your glory. And man, as I'm surrendering like that. As God begins to stir and move in my heart, Isaiah says, and it happens to me over and over and over again. Woe is I, for I'm a man of unclean lips. What he was doing was he was crying out in repentance. What he was doing was he was putting himself on the altar and killing, crucifying the kingdom of me. I'm a man of unclean clean lips. And then God gave him a greater revelation that I live among a people of unclean lips. And man, scripture says that the angel took the coal from the altar and touched his lips. And Amanda, it's amazing because the scripture says when he touched his lips, he said your sin is forgiven. And your guilt is gone. When you are forgiven because you've yielded and you've surrendered and you've determined in your heart you're going to follow him, he takes the coal from the altar. You see, because in that true surrendering, is a determination that I live among unclean people. I am unclean and I'm renouncing it. I'm turning away from it because I have seen the Lord and he is high and lifted up and he is exalted. And in that moment, he touches your lips and your sin is forgiven and your guilt is gone. Why is that important? It's because the enemy wants to condemn you. Yeah. Yeah talked to someone yesterday and and they said, I messed up and I've tried so hard and I've been trying to live for God and I messed up. I just feel like it's all useless. And I said, that's the enemy. The enemy wants to condemn you. The enemy wants to shame you. The enemy wants to keep you in condemnation so that you will stay away from the presence of God and you will not come into his presence with boldness and gladness and joy. And so condemnation pushes you away, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit says, Whoa, am I? The Holy Spirit begins to reveal, and I begin to say, God, I'm a man of unclean. And then, verse 8 of Isaiah chapter 6, the Lord said, after he's surrendered, after he's yielded, he's crucified, he's laying the kingdom of me on the altar, his heart's burning with the revelation of who God is, then the Lord said, who will go for me? Who will go and share among those who are also unclean. And Isaiah said, what? Here am I, Lord. Send me. See, something happens in that moment, and I finish with this. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus says, follow me. Absolute surrender is following him. And I will make you. I will transform you. When you place yourself on the altar, the kingdom of me is crucified. You've picked up your cross. You're following me. I will transform you and make you, and then you will be fishermen of me. I will make you fishers of me. See, absolute surrender transforms us, and we begin to be committed To the mission of Christ. Look at these two verses. John 15, 8. This is my father's glory. This is to the glory of God that you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Man, what is it that shows the evidence that we are his disciples? Is that we bear fruit. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. For God is in Christ. God was in Christ and he was reconciling the world to himself through Christ. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us, you and me, the wonderful message of reconciliation. We call the message of reconciliation around here the message of hope. It's the message of the gospel. It's reconciliation that your sins can be forgiven and you can be free and you can have new life in Jesus Christ. And so Paul goes on to say, we then are Christ's ambassadors. What does an ambassador do? He represents his nation. He speaks for, he defends his nation. He represents his nation. And Paul says, we are Christ's ambassadors. And God is making his appeal through us we speak for christ when we plead come back to god so our assignment is that we are his ambassadors we are his messengers of hope we go and we bear fruit his mission with the message empowers us to be messengers of hope